The Connell Tribune, Thursday, the 27th of February, 2020. Where was the Army Council when needed most? To be honest, I was really looking forward to taking a break from the whole political agenda which has dominated our lives for the past month. Three weeks of canvassing, posters galore, TV debates, then a historic election which presented a new vista for our republic. Mary Lou rammed home in first place, followed by Michal Martin and the present temporary incumbent Leo Varadkar in third. And the Greens, Eamon Ryan, sort of taken up the fourth Champions League place with Labour. Social Democrats and the PBP fighting with the independents for places in the Europa League. The opening of the 33rd Dáil had Mary Lou gaining the most votes, 45, to be the first woman Taoiseach at that. Michal trooped in with 39 and Leo bringing up the rear in 36. 84 voted against Mary Lou and 29 abstained, 97 against Michal, 19 abstained, 107 against Leo and 16 abstaining. On the surface that seemed fairly unanimous within the Doyle Chamber, but of course it doesn't work like that. Apparently the magic number of 80s required to lead the next government, or else you'll be on a heading to nothing trying to get by with a minority setup. And then of course when change comes into play, as Fianna Fáil and Finn Gael suddenly realise they have lots in common after a hundred years telling people they didn't. But the lure of power, the ministerial limo and the nice pension can work wonders for a political carpetbagger. A week in Washington for Paddy's Day isn't bad for starters. Then regular trips to London and Brussels. The Galway tent may be gone but a few days at Ballybrit plus a night in the G in July isn't bad. And premium tickets for the rugby and All-Ireland finals isn't to be sniffed at. So while the rest of us have a two-week sabbatical from listening to the various political those on the t- Tonight Show with Ivan and Matt, Fianna Fáil, Finn Gale will be deliberating on how they can sell this coalition to the general public. And to make it a little palpable, the tree huggers will be throwing scraps from a future cabinet table to make it look like a grand coalition. And all the time, we'll have the daily doses of verbal diarrhoea about how the Army Council is directing the party which won most votes in the recent election. Most first preferences, most surpluses, most women, most new young TDs, most clear and linear thinking on how to address the problems in society. Homelessness, housing, HSE, education, all the problems that need progressive thinking to make inroads into solving. But when Fianna Fáil and Finn Gael saw that people weren't listening to their attacks on Sinn Féin's economic policies, they launched into the one line of attack which they believe would make people consider why they gave their votes to Sinn Féin in the first place. The blue shirts and the Legion of Rearguard were floundering in their own bullshit. Collectively, they're destroying the economy after the tiger and then lack of housing and health problems for the past nine years. Led by men who had never actually won an election. One who was never Taoiseach and the other had it handed to him. Ministers who could work an odd scam or two. Know how to claim expenses or push buttons on the dial. It was a cosy little cottery while it lasted. But election 2020 changed all that, and so when all appeared lost, out from their back pockets in the midst of expensive stockets, like a gambler in the boogies onto a winner, came a grand plan to get things in terra firma again and put the new upstarts in their place, paving the way for another five years of the same same. The same, of course, it was coming. You could sense it from afar. When all is lost, you're out of the bag of dirty tricks. Those shadowy advisors in Fianna Fáil and Finn Gael pulled the AK-47. 
which had given way to the ballot box 25 years ago. And although Garrett Moore admittedly was in the Doyle for the past years, he definitely wasn't in the IRA. Never mind the Army Council, but for Michael, Michal and Leo that wasn't enough. They wanted to know who was and what were the kind of shadowy figures and fatigues were Mary Lou, Pierce and Owen O'Brien reporting back to when making decisions. What sort of coded message was David Cullinan given when he facetiously paraphrased the Wolf Tone song, Ooh Ah Up There Ah? Or even, even dear leader Mary Lou when once rallying the troops with a raucous Chucky or Lou. Both epithets made it public before party supporters. Were they a secret message sent back to the soldiers of destiny? Oh no, that's the other crowd when apparently they had shadowy characters advising in their own backyard. Finally, on the opening, in the evening of the opening of the 33rd Doyle, Mehal couldn't wait any longer. A disastrous election, lost seats, votes, percentages, party stalwarts, rejected by Mary Lou, PBP, Independents, and maybe even Leo, the only Fianna Fáil leader never to have been Taoiseach, a man who had lost three elections. A forlorn figure casting a dejected persona from the opposition benches in the Doyle chamber. Rumblings within the grassroots of the party that it all weren't, wasn't happy in the direction he was taking. Eamon O'Keeve and the more traditional Republican wing suggesting a deal with Mary Lou might be the worst scenario to salvage something from despondency. But when all around him were keeping their heads, Michal was losing his in a fit of pique. Where was the army council when you needed them most? And lo and behold, when evidence was required, who should join the party straight from a passing out ceremony at Templemore? But the man in a previous life was a member of the RUC Army Council, Drew Harris, an officer for an organisation that would know about armed men in mass, who shot to kill in the 80s when he was a top member, that would have been colluding with loyalist paramilitaries, given serial killers like the Gillanan gang, made up of the UVF, UDR, and RUC, a free hand to take out Republicans. A man in a position along with other senior officers thwarted English policeman John Stalker's inquiry into the RUC. Yet just on cue as Leo joined the chorus came the claim from the PSNI and British military sources that indeed the IRA Army Council was still calling the shots. And an analogy of poetic license deserving of decommissioning like the report which was five years old. That's a long time in politics. The length of a government journey, they can make any sort of ridiculous claims and promises at the start, but will they ever see them fulfilled? So 24.5% of the voting public voted for the Shinners. 530,000 individuals in this republic put their number ones towards the Republican project. That's quite a significant cohort. First time voters, intelligent, educated 20 to 30 year olds, under pressure, 30 to 40 year olds with large mortgages and small kids. 50 to 70 year olds with pension concerns and quality of life in their later years. All voted to bring change and none even give a second thought to the far-fetched idea that there might be seven masked guys in the Fennels Club near Milltown in West Belfast sitting round a table with a banner proclaiming Chucky Erla on the wall behind them as they directed the Sinn Féin Art Coyler to investigate the plight of the homeless. Or the wee old woman on a trolley for 24 hours in UCHG. Sure, it might as well have been the seven members of the Provisional Army Council on Easter week in the GPO, for as much as the electorate was concerned. 
It was to the future they voted for change, for an end to what gone before. Clientelism, nepotism, nimbyism, cronyism, jobs for the boys, the power to bequeath grants and jobs, P&T and ESB back in the day, Aircom and HSE. A phone call from your local Fianna Fáil TD was enough if they were in power. The worst excesses of abuse of authority, but that's the way it was. Possibly the same all over the world, but we had it down to fine art. You vote for me and I'll get your son and daughter that job. It was clientelism at its best, and it worked well for a hundred years, but when the call for change came, sure the reaction from the establishment was on trend. Where was the army council when you needed them most? Of course, we have a long history of, let's say, extracurricular activities in politics. When the first Doyle was proclaimed after the Democratic election in 1918, half the TDs were on the run or in jail. In 1921, Dev, who was a member of the IRA Army Council, sent the plenipotentiaries to London to negotiate the treaty. The delegation included Arthur Griffith, representing the political side of Sinn Féin, and Michael Collins, also a member of the IRA Army Council. When the treaty debates of 22 descended into turmoil and precipitated civil war, the future government side included Collins and Mulcahy, both members of the Army Council. On the anti-treaty side, in the Doyle was Mellows, Cahill Brewer and Rory O'Connor, again all members of the IRA Army Council. The new government of the Free State after the civil war contained Mulcahy, Sean McShawn, once again, all members of the Army Council. Fianna Fáil then split with Sinn Féin in 26 and entered the Doyle in 27. Famously, Sean Lamas carried his revolver with him, claiming they were a slightly constitutional party. The Fianna Fáil front bench featured Dev, Frank Aiken, Lamas and Oscar Traynor, all at times members of the IRA Army Council. In 1932, when Dev and Fianna Fáil took power for the first time, his cabinet more than resembled the IRA Army Council. Dev himself, Aiken, Lamas, and even more at grassroots. Every Fianna Fáil common morphed out of the local IRA unit. As the famous story of Lamas travelling to Donegal to encourage Neil Blaney to bring his men with him in the new dispensation. The Legion of the Rearguard certainly had a shadowy past. In 1948, the first inter-party government was formed with the Republican clan Napublica joining forces with the former Blue Shirts who had morphed into Finn Gael. The Blue Shirts and Finn Gael weren't to be outdone as regards ministers with, let's say, interesting paths. Both Mulcahy and Owen O'Duffy were former members of the IRA Army Council as well. Mulcahy overseen the executions of 77 Republican prisoners during the Civil War, and the flamboyant O'Duffy also went to Spain to fight for the fascist Franco in their civil war, as well as being leader of the paramilitary blue shirts at home. Sharon Powerwell McCahey was the leader of the clan, Sean McBride, son of Maud Gone. He was also a former member of the IRA Army Council, indeed the chief of staff long after the civil war. And by now we're up to the 1950s and Fianna Fáil still had Def, Egan and Lamas on the cabinet, men who would know a bit about a 303 in the ballot box. It's worth recording, if only for a newer generation, that Sean McBride went on to win a Nobel Prize for Peace. I bet Michael Martin forgot to mention that last Thursday, or was it, in his rush to whack into Sinn Féin with his repetitive jargon about shadowy figures running, running them. This historic fact simply escaped his attention. Surely those attacks on the Shinners 
and Dewey Harrison's, Harris's intervention tell their own story, but must be held up for more forensic examination to produce more answers than the Garda chief was able to provide. But after all, he's above politics. Anecdotally, recently I was reading John A. Costello's biography, The Reluctant Taoiseach. He was leader of the Fingale clan coalition in 48-51 and again in 54-57. But unlike all the leaders of the Free State since partition, he hadn't taken part in the revolutionary period. In fact, when Dev was taking over Boland's Mills on Easter Monday, Costello was playing golf at Port Marnock. And walking home with his bag over his shoulder, he was stopped at a volunteer barricade near his home in Herbert Park and Balls Bridge, and he had to take a circuitous route home. Obviously, unlike many volunteers then and indeed later, he had no intention of swapping his 8 iron for a 303. Of course, the reluctant Taoiseach had the privilege of officially proclaiming the Republic in 49, 33 years after Pierce read the proclamation on the steps of the GPO. In the late 50s, Sinn Féin had several TDs elected to the Doyle. Schoolteacher Rory O'Brady was a busy man, active in the border campaign of the time, full-time teacher and a TD. He was also Chief of Staff of the IRA and a member of the Army Council. Fast forward then to the late 80s and the official IRA who had morphed into the Workers' Party, then Democratic Left, became part of a coalition government. TD and Party President Thomas McGillah was a former IRA Chief of Staff and colleague Princess de Rossa shared a pew in their army council. Owen Harris of Sendo infamy and an ardent anti-Republican would also share his leading role in RTE with a place alongside McGilla and de Rossa. In 1999, Democratic left metamorphosed into the Labour Party, so maybe it's not so surprising that Brendan Howland wasn't prepared to back Mary Lou for Tisha. So now we're almost in March 2020, should we beware the edge of March, as Mark Antley said, or will the borrowing days bring even colder air to the Doyle as we search for a new government? Is there any chance we can move forward as our ancestors did from the shackles of the past? The conflict of the 30 years from 1970 was a horrendous experience for everyone, as indeed all conflict is. But it's over, has been for a generation. The newborn kids of the Good Friday Agreement are now 21. At third level or in their first work experience. Some, although not many nowadays, are married with their own kids and crying out for an affordable home. They are also voting age and they made a major statement a few weeks ago. They don't want to keep harping on about the past, it's another world to them. They recognise that they were victims but they were on all sides. Nobody has a monopoly on grief. Almost 4,000 people were killed, everyone's grief is the same. We can't halt progress over events that happened in the past, or else this Republic would never have got over Bali City, or France and Germany wouldn't be central to the whole peaceful post-World War II European project. So that's it. Who will be Taoiseach is a million dollar question. The PR STV system is undoubtedly the most democratic of ways to elect a first system of government, but who says politics is an art and fairness? That's why Dev tried to change the voting system twice back in the day to ensure that Fianna Fáil would be in power forevermore by using the first-past-the-post system so beloved by the Tories in the UK. The next month or so is going to be fascinating. Will it be Michal from Rebel Cork, Leo from Trendy D4 or Hello Mary Lou? 
To be honest, if truth is told, I was more interested in how Donegal fared in Croke Park on Saturday night against the five in a row champions. Just where I'm heading in a few hours' time, or my regular Sunday four ball at Galway Bay in the AM, or sadly the passing of the great Harry Gregg. The legend of a keeper from Coleraine who saved more penalties, but also teammates and a mother and child in the disaster at Munich in 58. And also in the life story of the incomparable Jimmy Greaves, who was 80 this week with dementia, my first footballing hero back in the 60s, goal scorer supreme. I had, to write, I had planned to write about him this week, but the Army Council got in the way, as they are wont to do, like Mihal, Leo and Mary Lou.